Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome back to the Fantasy Inn Podcast. This week, we're talking about gray morality and our favorite examples of characters who fall somewhere in the middle of the spectrum of good and evil. Morality is a spectrum, and I'm sure our takes on it will be as well. So instead of hot takes, I guess these may be lukewarm takes. I'm Travis. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Jenya. To start things off, what's everyone reading? I am audiobooking The Sister Song by Lucy Holland which is a retelling of a ballad uh, that was written, I think, in ancient Britain. And it's, it's really good so far. It's um, epic historical fantasy, and the other book is narrated well. So it's not falling in love with the story yet, but it's going there. And I am reading, since yesterday, I've started the third The Bright Session book by Lauren Shippen, which is called Some Faraway Places, or Some Faraway Place. I, I keep calling it the third um the bright session book and it's it has these uh, vibes that i had from the infinite noise so i'm really enjoying it a lot i haven't read the second one of the trilogy because it's uh, the main character is an antagonist and i think his brain is way too dark for me to dive into so but the third one is really good so far and I'm currently audiobooking uh, My Uncle Napoleon by Iraj Pezersad, which is an Iranian book, and it's set in the in World War II. It, but it's actually really, really, really funny. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of like a family drama. It's not fantasy. It's a family drama where this one boy who's 13 years old, he falls in love with um, his cousin. And... Uh, and I guess she also likes him back, but like their their dads are like really at odds with each other. And so their dads start this big family feud to fuck each other over and try to ruin each other's life, which really sucks for the boy and, and, and his cousin, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really good. Um, so I'm trying to read more translated work this year. And I it's hard to find translated work, which is uh, like not depressing and grim. So I'm really happy that I found this one. Yeah, and I'm reading, or I just finished reading, actually, Iron Widow by Shirin J. Zhao. And this is a book that I've been seeing a lot of buzz about. It's first in a YA duology, which is a very loose reimagining of the only female emperor of China. And it's giant mechas fighting monsters. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun and probably relevant to this episode as well. Because of its morally gray character? Uh, yes, because of lots of morally gray characters and a very extra protagonist who is willing to do a lot of things that are questionable, shall I say, to get her way. Uh, that sounds fun. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess let's start out by just trying to figure out what exactly do we mean by gray morality. Do you all have any thoughts? I guess I'd say it's between pure good and pure evil for me it's when a character either makes good decisions but for bad reasons or bad decisions for good reasons so there's this kind of complexity to it and um yeah it's somewhere between 
heroism and villainy? I guess for me, it's also like if their morality doesn't necessarily line up with mine, but I can see where they're coming from, um, maybe because this is the culture they grew up with or because this is the, the world or something, or, or, or I can see what their ambition is, even if I don't agree with the way that they get there. And yeah, I think it's actually really interesting. Yeah, I, I think those are both great points. And I guess for me, I just think instead of just repeating what both of you have said, there's kind of two aspects for me. So there's the moral strength of the character's position. So like, are they working to protect people or are they like helping this vicious warlord who's trying to kill everyone? So one is definitely a lot murkier than the other. But then there's also their actions, which are kind of different from their position. So like, what if you're trying to protect your family, but you're willing to kill a bunch of innocent people to do that? Or what if you're just a nonviolent, like happy-go-lucky bureaucrat who's helping out the evil warlord? So I definitely think there's multiple axes that you can judge this gray morality on. Yeah, you can judge by the actions, by the motivation. Do you guys like that? Or do you prefer it when the main characters are kind of more clear-cut? It depends. It really mm -hmm. depends because I've said before that my favorite type of characters are the nice ones, are the pure sweethearts who do no wrong. But honestly, it depends on the story. Sometimes I just want people to fuck shit up and, well, maybe they have good reasons for it and it makes for a good story. Um, and sometimes I want pure, nice characters and it really depends. And we had this discussion uh, when we talked about villains, I think in a previous episode about how it depends on your mood and what the story is about. And I have a lot of favorite characters who are actually super nice and who actually do no wrong and favorite characters who are assholes and uh, the in-between. <laughs> and the in-between can be really fascinating to read about because it's this ambiguity that makes the character arc be fascinating and be like, you can relate to it, but just to a certain degree. And that level of relatability is what's interesting for me. Yeah, I guess for me, it's not relatability so much as it is like to use a technical term, cheerability. Like how easily <laughs> can I cheer on the character? Yeah. Uh, so like sometimes you really want to just watch someone like help the world burn, right? If you can get behind yes. their reasons for why, <laughs> if the world's really shitty um, and like I can definitely cheer them on. That was kind of the example for me with the Iron Widow book. And then sometimes you just really want like a genuinely good person and it's like kind of a blanket for your soul and you can cheer them on. Uh, what I don't like are when the morality is off enough where I hate reading about the character because I just think they're like, a human shit stain and I don't want to be in their head. I mean, if you have to be a human shit stain, at least be an interesting one. Because if you just go around and kill babies and rape, rape villages and stuff like that, I mean, that's awful, yeah, that's awful, but that's also boring from a reading point of view, not from something that would happen in real life. But, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But I guess then, I mean, is that still gray morality or is that already just a villain? Evil. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just pure a villain. But yeah, about what Trav said about um, human shit stains, yeah. I'm using the technical term you used. <laughs> yeah, th these are all very literary terms here. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, I guess even outside of just characters, are there any 
characteristics of stories that prominently feature gray morality that are kind of in common. Like I know the obvious one, right, is there's no clear good and evil a lot of the times. Yeah, I guess I always think about like stories where somebody's trying to save something, but they, but the way they get there is is not maybe that clear cut. I mean, like because there's a lot of stories right now, right, which are more like about you know rebellion or revolution where somebody's trying to take down a larger empire. Um, the traitor Baru Cormorant is obviously the first one that comes to mind, where the goal is very understandable, but the way they get there is hard. I, I don't know. I feel like that's in at the moment, maybe because this is our political situation where we don't know how to we get to this better world, let's say. I feel like those books are becoming more popular as well. Yeah, yeah. I think last year was the year of we want comfort books. And in 2021, we want to burn everything. So yeah, there's there's a lot of books that will be released or have been released uh, that serve on this theme of revolution, of getting your hands dirty to achieve a goal that is understandable. Like in She Who Became the Sun uh, by Shelley Parkinshan, uh, which is going to be released in July. There are a lot of morally gray characters in this book. Uh, there's, I think there is one good, really good character. Yeah, That's true. One, just one mm-hmm. good character in the entire cast of characters. But even when the, the end goal is stops being survival in this book and becomes about ambition, even then, you can't help but cheer the characters on and cheer things on, even when they do some really awful shit. Like, if it happened in real life, I would be, whoa, stop, this is a war crime, this is awful, what's happening? But in this book, I was like, yeah, you go get it. <laughs> it it's weird, but it, it's so well written that you can't help but root for, not evil, but root for some actions that make sense in the development of the character. So yeah, and it's about imperialism and revolution and um, like changing things and getting a hold of your own destiny. So yeah, those themes usually go hand in hand with characters that are not squeaky clean. I think part of it's also how the story progresses within itself. So if you start out with a character who is kind of like at the lowest status imaginable and is just barely surviving. And then so you're rooting for them to no longer become the underdog. Maybe they're beating like straight up unambiguously evil people uh, and having those kinds of victories early on. If the people they're winning over start becoming maybe a little less evil, (laughs) uh, you're still rooting for them, right? Because of the trajectory of the story so far. Yes, that's a really good point. I mean, you get invested to their arc and then they start making some really bad decisions but you go along with them and you say yeah that that makes sense in the arc in the character arc and it makes sense with how the story is going to evolve and you somehow are not really shocked by it and even understand somehow i mean it's awful if you guys have read the book you know when you guys have read the book so you know what i'm talking about and when it happened i was like yeah it makes sense yeah that that was what was supposed to happen and she became the sun yeah 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 that was pretty funny (laughs) yeah uh uh-huh that's perfectly normal yes go ahead do that awful shit (laughs) yeah but yeah when you take a bit like when you 
really contemplate what happened there. It's, it was awful. I mean, generally speaking, I think it's a lot easier to start out with a quote-unquote relatively good character and add a lot of darker stuff and still keep you invested than it is to start out with someone who's just like absolutely awful and then try to humanize them. I mean, you could, but I think the examples we have in all media of this particular arc are really bad writing. <laughs> when you see, for example, in Star Wars, having the almost having the bad guys being bad, being bad, being bad, and then at the end, like the last chapter, they have this moment of redemption, but it's just, you know, a moment and then they die. It's, yeah. Ugh, just bad writing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more interesting when they survive and then it's like, uh-huh, and now we have to do something about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's some work in progress, not just, you know, I'm going to blow up this entire planet, but I'm going to save... I, I don't remember the story. I, I think Darth Vader saved someone at some point. Spoilers, <laughs> I guess. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get hunted down by Star Wars fans, but, you know, this story is... <laughs> just didn't stick in my mind because it was you know yeah i want to say long ago and i don't remember but it just bored me to death i'm sorry <laughs> um but yeah it's um it's i think it's lazy writing and um, i i know i'm talking about a billion dollar property uh but it's it's lazy in my opinion <laughs> in my opinion in my opinion yeah, yeah. You, you can like these arcs where you have your baddies become complex just because they add a like a, a hint of good deeds at the end of their arcs and that doesn't make them boring that makes them beige that doesn't that does make them boring that makes them like some kind of like just not gray characters yeah i think there's also a trend i feel like at least in big movies there's a trend where the bad guy like um like in black panther you know where like what the bad guy is saying it makes actually like a lot of sense but then yeah. to show that you know well no he's the bad guy they have to make him i don't know kill a bunch of people and then you're like okay i guess he's evil but like i think is this about I think it's... the falcon and the winter soldier i haven't watched that i haven't yeah, watched it you haven't because that's exactly what happened in the, mm. in the show well, yeah, so it's like, I just think it's more interesting to explore these ideas more, like, in more detail instead of just being like, well, I guess maybe the ideas make sense, but we don't want to think about that. So let's let them love a bunch of children or hospitals or whatever. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in the show. <laughs> I want to say you should oh, watch no. it, but you should i mean maybe <laughs> I, I was actually going to talk about it because that, that's uh, the opposite example because i feel like in a lot of media and especially in hollywood they have an issue with morally gray characters like they try to put them either with the goodies or the baddies and it it makes for i mean i think it makes for lazy writing because they try to either have this quickie redemption final act or they try to make the perfectly like legitimate uh, arguments made by the antagonist moot once they kill a bunch of people yeah and it's like just no let us maybe root a little bit for the antagonist or let us have a complete redemption arc or a complex redemption arc for your uh 
evil character. Let them become complex. But we don't have that. Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of ways that writing could use... I don't know, like it, writing fails to use actions to appropriately show morality sometimes. Like I'm trying to think, it, you can't just have a character do like some heinous, terrible stuff to establish that they're like not a good guy and then redeem them. Like there are certain things that are unredeemable. And then like once you pass that line, there's no going back. There's no like ambiguity whatsoever. So I think that's one thing that I don't like when I see it. Uh, like I'm trying to think a good example would be, say, Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender, where with his redemption arc, he's never really totally crossed the line, right? There's there's no past the point of no return for him. Whereas sometimes I read a book where it's like, oh, yep, you murdered 20 people because they looked at you funny. And now you're going to try to save someone. And that makes you a good person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of writers, either in movies, TV shows or books, try to establish uh, gray morality as a mix between good and evil. And you have a, a little bit of bad and a little bit of good and voila, you have your Molly Gray character. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't balance like this. You have, you have to have more nuance. You have to have, as I said before, maybe bad actions, but for the right reasons or good actions, but for the bad for the old bad reasons, for example, I was thinking of Vargo in The Mask of Mirrors, which is by M.A. Carrick, which is a book I talk about a lot, and a character I talk about a lot. Like He's ambiguous as a character in The Mask of Mirrors, and we we'll probably uh, learn more about his motivations in uh, the sequel. But so far, what we know is that he does good things, good deeds. He aids and he tries to help the protagonist but we don't know much about his motivations and we're pretty sure that he has his own goals and that makes him like grayish and i think it's pretty interesting because you just he's not a good person he's like a crime lord but you know he does good deeds and we still don't know why and that makes him interesting (laughs) Yeah, I think in general, one of the pitfalls of kind of the terminology that we have of gray morality is it implies that there's on the one end, you have like black morality. On the one hand, you have white morality. And then there's like a linear spectrum in between the two. And like, that's your gray morality. First thing I don't like about that is sometimes you'll see like gray is supposedly right in the middle, like perfectly in between the two. Um, But also like... I like reading about characters where you can be conflicted, right? You don't know how you feel about them. Like some people will root for them. Some people will be like, nope, they're terrible. I don't like them at all based on their decisions and their actions, not just like, oh, I don't like their personality, you know? Yeah, that makes for good books and good uh, stories. For example, Serapio in Black Sun by Rebecca Ronhorse. I don't know if you guys have read the book. Yes, I do not like that, dude. You did. I love that dude. See, that was cool. <laughs> I love him so much. I really because, enjoyed the book, but I did. I was like, oh, I hope he dies soon. <laughs> oh, that's mean. I love him. He's a sweetheart. If you don't count the murders, he's really a sweetheart. If you just 
don't look too close at his body count. <laughs> I think it's a good example of if you have a character and you have the two spectrums, uh, the two ends of the spectrum, like someone hating them and someone loving them for their actions, it makes for good. Yeah. I think I didn't even mind that he was killing so many people. I was just kind of like, I don't know. There was just something about him that annoyed me. I think he was just too good at everything. It's like, go have a flog. except for the fact that your moral compass is like a little all over the place, but just like, don't be so good at all, whatever, fighting things. <laughs> I love how Jenny is like, okay, murder is fine, but you is so annoying. <laughs> Yes, I, I love him because the whole murder thing comes from his upbringing. He was brought up to be a god and be a god of revenge for his people. So you can't really blame him about the whole plan for genocide and, you know, stuff like that. You really can't. <laughs> can't, you know. <laughs> well, there's a pull quote for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Um, again, I'm talking about fictional characters because... It, it was, I, I have to say this a lot because I don't know if you guys um, see the discourse around uh, morally gray characters or characters who do bad things. And every time there's someone going on about, oh my God, I love the Darkling or oh my God, um, Dara from uh, um, the Dev Bad trilogy is so yeah. cool. You have, oh my God, stop romanticizing uh, genocide. What? Do you think I I approve of genocide? Do you think I am pro-murder in my life? Like, Look, do you Dara really was believe? a child soldier. It's very tragic. So, you know, he's allowed one free genocide, I guess. He had a few of those. <laughs> they, <laughs> he had one they kept bringing him back to kill a bunch of people. And no, it's so sad. It's so tragic. <laughs> yeah, and he's a good example of a more great character who was doing yeah. bad things, but he thought it was for the good reason. He thought mm -hmm. it was to protect his people, and he thought it was to follow. Um, I mean, he didn't have a moral compass because his moral compass was where he's like, I, I don't know how loyalty. to call them. His, yeah, the loyalty to his people. Not exactly yeah. his people, but the people he was supposed to serve. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, he did some awful things. And yet he, I mean, he felt sorry, I guess, but he was, <laughs> I'm not going to say he was just following orders because, oh my God, I'm not going there. But he was, he thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And it makes for terrible people, but for good characters. <laughs> About things like upbringing and so on, I think this is something that I, I really enjoy reading books like this where um, it's not necessarily gray in the sense that it's like bad or good, but it's just, you know, people from a very different, let's say, culture or have different ideas about life than me. And so like what I would consider maybe not so great for them, this is just the way it is. And I think that it's interesting to explore these kind of ideas in fiction. So um, the book that I'm thinking of is He Must Die by Mary Renault, um, which is like set in like ancient Greece times. But usually, because I read a lot of these like, you know, whatever, Greek myth retellings. But usually somehow they put our morality on there because, I mean, it's kind of annoying to read a book where, I don't know, all the dudes are psychopaths who don't respect women or whatever. But here, I think she really tried to put in this like the morality and thinking of those times. And of course... In the 21st century, some of this is like, oh my God, this is horrible. 
But like, I think it's interesting to read it without trying to, or trying as much as possible to go with their ideas instead of our ideas of what's right. I think this is definitely something that I appreciate in books and something that retellings sometimes go this way and sometimes they go the other way. And I enjoy both, but I do appreciate a good, not our morality version of the tales as well. Yeah, I think that's why, at least in my opinion, what I would appreciate in that situation is what if there was like a preface at the beginning or an author's note saying, hey, like this is trying to hold accurate to the morals of the time. So maybe read it with that thought in mind, because otherwise, I mean, a lot of people like to assign author beliefs based on their writing. And so if you're reading like this morality from a thousand years ago or something, you might think, well, this author is really kind of outdated and has some like questionable beliefs that they're arguing for. In an ideal world, we wouldn't need that because it's pretty clear that um, morality is something that has been changeable in history and what was awful and wrong what is awful and wrong right now wasn't normal it was still awful and wrong at the time but it wasn't seen that way and we have to understand that whatever the writer writes it's different from what they believe unless you know they're also asshole in real life i think i wouldn't like um a word at the front because I don't know, for me, that would make it seem like the author is really trying to draw attention to this. And then I'd be reading it with like the thought of like, yes, it was very different back then or whatever. But maybe like in the afterward, there could be something about like just the historical context. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the just something about like, this is what our archaeology says was like, like ideas at the time or something. And I think some authors do do things along those lines where they're like, this is how it was back then or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't have to approve of everything every character does, right? Like, I I mean... According to Twitter, you do. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is so annoying when it happens. Stop normalizing this. Stop normalizing that. Yeah, of course we don't. It's fiction. And I'm not saying that fiction cannot bleed into real life. That's being naive. But you have to give us readers a bit of credit and a bit of, you know... Like, we do know when things are fake and we do know we have a moral compass. It's not breaking just because a baddie has great cheekbones or something like that. We we do (laughs) keep that moral compass. I guess before we move on, because I do want to touch on that cheekbones comment. um, Of course you do. The whole like after (laughs) the whole afterward forward thing, I'm very conflicted about because I've read some like as an example mythological retellings where the original mythology from hundreds or thousands of years ago is really, really dark and also very rapey. Uh, And to try to hold accurate to that with readers reading it now leaves a rough impression for me. And so if I go into it knowing, hey, this is messed up, but this is intentionally trying to hold the quote unquote accuracy of the original story, I would at least approach it differently and be less likely to uh, set the book aside and never return to it. Um, because <laughs> yeah. if if I can never get far enough through the book to make it to the afterward, even though I think that would be the like theoretical better location to it, uh, I don't know. I would probably give up on the book first. I see your point, but I guess... Okay, well, I guess I go into these kind of books usually... No, I mean, like, I personally, I'm not saying, like, I, like I personally usually go into these books kind of knowing 
often the story or something and wanting to see it redone in a, in a or like told in an interesting way or a different way. And so I guess I personally know usually what I'm expecting when I go in, but obviously that's not the case for everyone. That's what the reviewers are for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reviews are very helpful with that. And yeah, in all fairness, like I have a very low knowledge of mythology or folklore or any kind of like classical stories. Uh, so a lot of it's me encountering it for the first time. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, it's, that's me for like, you know, not the, I don't know, whatever, Western canon. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's go back to the cheekbones because I do want to talk about this. Um, you want to talk so, about cheekbones? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as an abstract concept, shall we say. Okay. Uh, because a lot of times gray morality is framed as, oh, there's a little bit of good and a little bit of evil, and you're weighing that by actions or motivations or something like we've been talking about. But recently, a lot of discussion seems to add attractiveness into the morality <laughs> spectrum, or at least like the cheerability <laughs> spectrum, right? So like you can have yeah. an unambiguously terrible person, and instead of humanizing them with like a relatable motivation or some acts of good as well, they're just really hot. Yes, well, yeah. And uh, we had this discussion in the chat room conversation with um, Shelly, Tasha, and Shirai. I guess that the link will be provided in the notes. Uh, we were talking about this before the official conversation started and how people were calling out fans of the Darkling from the Shadow and Bone saga. And um, yeah, he is bad, but you know, it's Ben Barnes. Come on. I know it's not really an argument. I mean, it's just, you know, evil and as an aesthetic instead of evil as bad actions, which, you know, wouldn't be acceptable in real life. Absolutely not. But uh, in fiction and fantasy in particular, it does play a role, I guess. At this point, it's almost a trope, you know, the hot villain. I don't know what to say about that because I, I'm not really attracted to Darkling as a character. He's like he's brooding and a bit boring, but you know it's Ben Barnes, so it does give a bit of um, of interest to the character. But there are there were instances where I was like, yeah, if this character wasn't that hot, and I know Travis, you don't understand the concept of hot characters because you can't imagine, but, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah, he, he has this whole thing where he can't imagine a hot, a hot character. Like, it's just conceptual. It's funny. Wait, what? No, Travis, tell me more about this. Because that's funny because I'm the opposite. I, I don't have attraction in real life, but in characters, I do. Okay, Travis, please explain. Okay, so yeah, I have aphantasia and I can't really visualize what I read. So if there's a hot character, it's basically there's a checkbox, hot or not, and it's checked <laughs> hot. Like, I don't visualize them any differently. It doesn't make a difference to me. I just have this kind of as a factoid stored away that they are supposed to be hot. But it's not the, it's not the appearance. It's the, it's the actions that the make aura. them hot. Yeah. I almost never visualize um, characters either. And then when I try to draw them, then I'm like, uh, what do they actually look like? I have to go look at fan arts to, to find out. But like, it's the actions which make it like, oh my, how dashing or whatever. Or oh my, how very evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, yes, and I do agree with you. But on the other hand, Ben Barnes. But then Barnes is a person. It's a person, yeah. You don't have to visualize anything. And also, I'm not attracted. 
well no i don't know i watched four episodes of 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 shadow and bone and i just he's just there it's like go away i want to see uh jesper (laughs) don't we all (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah i guess about yeah about uh attractiveness um i i do ask myself would i be so interested and so uh, lenient uh, about this character's actions if they weren't hot and it's like a loaded question to ask yourself because i don't know they are hot they're hot and they're bad so i don't know i think to be honest i know it's like a stereotype like oh girls like bad boys or whatever but it's it's also like true but i also think that you know sometimes it is true and like i to be completely honest i think it's fine and i think that it is unfeminist of us to police all the bad boys (laughs) that girls like (laughs) because like i mean i just i mean because it, it often comes with like this discussion often comes with the idea of like oh no girls just like him because he's hot and like he's just popular because he's hot even though he's so evil there's only girls think that doing evil things is okay or whatever like i don't know whatever edward from twilight where it's like this will make girls think that stalking but people is okay he's oh he's not i don't know whatever i never watched that or read oh, it. But, you, but you know what i mean right and it's kind of yeah. like well maybe we should give them credit that just because they think i don't know massacring a village is hot on paper doesn't mean they think it's hot in real life <laughs> yes. and it's okay <laughs> yes so Speaking i don't know about feminism we talk about a lot about evil guys or morally great guys where are the morally great women i mean you talked no you talked about it i yeah. mean they're like the femme fatale people but yeah. that's yeah <laughs> those are really put in for like sexiness <laughs> <laughs> and there's also the whole growing up in an environment where you can't really afford morality where morality is just like some kind of luxury that will mm. kill you for example in fondalee's jade city we were talking about it before we record like a bit before recording yeah so it's about organized crime so of course the people in this book will be bad but in the story, you can't help but root for them because I mean, they are the protagonists and even when their actions are bad, they're bad against another organized crime family. So it makes think, it okay. <laughs> I think that one is like especially good because there's a scene in the second book where... Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to say non-spoilery, but like there's a yeah. scene in the second book where one of the characters... <laughs> is outside of this environment um they're like on a trip somewhere outside of this Mm -hmm. environment and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you see how kind of like messed up the thinking Mm. of this crime family is because i mean it is a crime family and like all of a sudden it's like all of these things which make sense within the book and i'm like yes you are correct that is exactly what you should do uphold your i don't know honor or uphold your family's relations blah 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 thing and like as soon as you take them out and put them in a different context it's like oh no you should not be doing this this is not good (laughs) so like i think it's really amazing because it's like i don't want to say brainwashes you but it kind of brainwashes you into thinking like yes what they're doing is okay and i think that's kind of the mark of or like that's one of the reasons i love that book so much that like I'm genuinely rooting for them, even though if they all died, technically, maybe it wouldn't be so bad for the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think having their point of view is like helps create this kind of relationship and closeness to them. But as you said, as soon as we have an external point of view, when we see from the eyes of someone who is not part of the family, who is not 
parts of this whole thing anymore, you get a sense of how wrong these things are, even if you do know that they're wrong, but it stays in the realm of theory. And then you realize that, oh my God, that is bad. That they they are doing bad things. They're killing people and stuff. (laughs) But I love this book. I should read the sequel. You really should. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for... uh a book being able to flip you into a certain mindset for how you approach it. Like if you have two different organized crime families and one are the protagonists and one are the antagonists, it's a lot easier to get behind organized crime. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of the same, that's kind of the same with like the attractive characters too, where it kind of signals, Hey, like, I'm trying to think of how to say this correctly. Like hot characters are kind of like, okay, like there's more to this than just the story. There's other reasons you can be reading this and other reasons you can be rooting for characters and like don't necessarily take everything so seriously. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like if it's just a, or not just, but like, you know, there's a lot of action scenes and there's a lot of everything. It's just kind of fun to, like, I mean, we can still read for fun, right? We don't have to, um, you know, analyze every single moment and be like, well, maybe this is not so correct or something. I think, I think that's also like, it's part of what the book wants to do, right? Like, for example, um, every time a book, I read a book, which says that it's a feminist book, then I start analyzing it from my understanding of feminism and like my ideas about feminism. And then as soon as like the characters or the book fuck something up, then I'm immediately like, well, the critique, all a book is promising is sexy, morally gray dudes, then like, well, okay, that's what I want from the book then, I guess. And like, I don't mind. Go kill a village. Yeah, I think we should stop. Uh, I mean, we we should have, say, like critical towards what we're reading. That's for sure. But sometimes fiction is all also to escape. And yeah, sometimes you want to escape to a better place. But sometimes you want to see awful people fuck shit up. It doesn't you can't explain it. I mean, the human psychology is complex. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you want to, you, you find catharsis in, in awful things. And I yeah. guess that's okay. Yeah. I mean, like in terms of about warning, whether it's in the foreword or whether it's in, I don't know, um, a content warning in the Goodreads page or whatever. Um, I think that's fair. Cause I mean, there's some things, for example, which I find, fun kind of i guess maybe because you know i haven't i don't really know anybody who's been i don't know murdered or i don't live in a situation where people are getting murdered by evil dudes with with superpowers or you know without superpowers or whatever so i can take this as like very different from my life and find fun in the moral grayness but then there are things which are like for example like sexual assault which is something that people in my life have more experience with and so um, for me, then it becomes unfun. And then it's not something where I can be like, oh, well, it's morally gray and it's just some a bit of like reading. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, when you have enough distance from yeah. the events or from what happens, you can read for fun. But when it becomes too real, for example, in The Unbroken by C.L. Clark, I, I loved that book, but it was a bit too close to home for me. So... Even if I didn't experience first-hand colonization, but I did, I have family members who did. And I, like some things about identity, even when you're not currently 
under colonization, if you have, if you live in a country that has been colonized, and you ask yourself questions about your identity, about your heritage, stuff like that. So it's not on the same level as you know sexual assault or you know assassinations. Well, okay, let's not go on levels, but I understand what you mean. It's like it's global, it's less, you know, personal, Mm. it's not a personal strategy. But at some point, it stopped being a fun read and it became just, you know, a bit too real for me. And um, it's an amazing book, don't get me wrong, but a lot of the closeness to to the themes made it a difficult read for me. But I think we're we're getting a bit farther from the main topic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all very relevant though, and some very good points that both of you are making. And I do think also uh, to bring it back briefly to the idea of personal distance from certain actions and what they mean and how that affects your experience. I think there's also the reasons behind those actions in the story. Like, so regardless of whether you want to argue, like the relative badness of murder and sexual assault, like killing someone, you can have a variety of reasons for this. Like you, it's not just like, oh, like I want to end a life. It could be like, oh, like I need to save someone or, oh, like this person is objectively terrible or something like that. There's a variety of reasons that can fuel uh, killing someone. Sexual assault, not so much, right? That's, yeah. that's a lot more clear cut. There is only bad reasons. For yes. sexual assault. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess it's like, yeah, with morally great characters, it has to be something that I either it's like so over the top that I am just like, yeah, whatever. It's just a book or it has to I have to get it. And like you say, yeah, there's some things which there are reasons that I understand and some things which there are reasons which. Yeah. And I can read from the point of view of someone who kills entire villages but somehow i cannot like i i i did i did read from the point of view of sexual uh, abuser and during the sexual attack but it's i don't know why it's easier to read about killing because i don't know it's i don't know it does i can't explain it it's both I mean, we are way past morally gray right now it's really dark um but i don't know i think murder is like it's so i mean remote it, as you said it's it, it almost becomes over the top and you're like yeah it's just a book it's just a story this person is awful we know that but then when you get into the head of a rapist i don't know it's it's so it's gross yeah. i don't know it's weird <laughs> Well, uh, we have been talking for a while on this subject now. Any final thoughts before we close things out? What about your guys' recommendations, for example, for a fun, morally great character or book? I mean, we, we gave a few, and I do recommend Jade City again, and These Violent Delights by Chloe Gunk, um, which also is about organized crime. So the people there aren't very good people, but still are gray in the shades of gray and very interesting to read about and again i recommend the mask of mirrors because um the main character of the mask of mirrors by ma carrick is a uh what's it called a fraud she wants to steal from people but she has good reasons so um you have all shades of gray in this 
book, so that's interesting. What else? She Who Became the Sun, obviously we talked about it. And um, I'm pretty sure I have a lot of uh, a lot of books I've read that aren't either good or bad uh, characters, but in between. But I can't think of any right now. I think The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri has characters that are in shade of in shades of gray. But I have to finish this book. <laughs> <laughs> and to be sure, sorry, really quickly, I just realized not we never talked about like thieves, right? Like thieves are just like, hey, they just stole something. It's fine. Yes. We went straight into murder, straight into genocide. Yes. But yeah, thieves, thieves, you know, stealing is bad, but is it though? But is it though? Is stealing it though? is bad, is, but is it? Another great tagline from Sarah for, for this yeah. episode. Stealing from the rich, is it really bad? Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> capitalism is bad. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, those are my recommendations and... What about you, guys? <laughs> uh, sure. I guess I did mention it earlier. So Iron Widow by Shirin J. Zhao. I think that's a good example. Uh, coming in September, so most of you can't read this yet. Sorry. Um, but it's a lot of... <laughs> it's a lot of the gray morality from the approach of the world is awful, so burn it all down. And you kind of just get behind the main character from that. And then um, to stay on brand, Touch by Claire North. Um, because... It's kind of it's kind of like vampirism in the sense that the morality ties into does the main character have the right to survive at the expense of others, where uh, the central concept is parasitic body hopping and the main character like starts a business where they find innocent people who are great bodies to hop into and they sell them to these other body hoppers. But at the time, you're kind of like, okay, I can get behind this. (laughs) I should read that one. And for me, I want to just say uh, The Trader Borrow Cormorant again by Seth Dickinson. I thought everything there is just really interestingly done. And another one was The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Um, I think that's one of those gray morality ones where it's so over the top that it's just like, ha ha ha, yes, <laughs> murder. <laughs> I mean, Jude is an amazing... I, I love YA it's characters fun. that it's are presented as bad. And they actually kill people. They're not mm-hmm. like just bad because, I don't know, people yeah. say they're bad. No, they're bad on page. And that's why I love these violent delights. Yeah. yeah. Is, is really bad. She is like, she kills people. That's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the other ones that Sarah mentioned, well, Sarah mentioned most of the ones that I would have said, like the Jake City. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's time then to turn the question to our audience. How do you feel about gray morality? Are there any particular memorable characters or stories you like that involve gray morality? And I suppose, what role do more black and white stories have for uh, us as modern readers? So let us know what you think. And as always, you can find us online at thefantasyin.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as The Fantasy Inn. And if you'd like to chat books and random nonsense with us in real time, we'd love to have you in our Discord server. I think that's a wrap. So that's all for this week. Until next time. End of episode. Oh, and Travis recording still. <laughs> of course. <laughs>